God is so good. For today we celebrate the reality that the despair of Good Friday yields to the radiance of the resurrection. We rejoice in the victory of our mighty King who vanquished sin and death. The Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. God is great. For today we celebrate the great turning point of world history. The great truth that Jesus Christ, who was crucified on a wooden Roman cross, the very one who died, has also arisen from the dead just three days later. He died for the forgiveness of your sins. He died and was raised to life for our salvation. The Lord is risen. Hallelujah. This is the reading of God's holy word. We'll be reading in John chapter 20, beginning at verse 11. But I'll first read verse 1 and then transition to the 11th verse. Now, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran And went to Simon Peter and the Apostle John. They came to the tomb and yet later went home. Beginning at verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white. Sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman. Why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord, and that he said these things to her. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting Father, we rejoice in the wonders of your grace, power, mercy, and love. They've all been revealed in the resurrection of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. We praise you for the victory won for our salvation. For the promise that because Christ is seated at your right hand, there is nothing in all creation which can separate us from your love. As we now give attention to your word, open our eyes that we might behold wonderful things from your law. Apply its eternal truth to our hearts and minds through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, dear family, the resurrection of Jesus Christ changes everything. If Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead on the third day, it validates everything that he says 
It validates everything that he said he did for us upon the cross. Death is vanquished. Life is forevermore. And his people are filled with new power and meaning. Oh, this is the story of John chapter 20. For in John chapter 20, we see that Jesus, who claimed to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, the one who claimed to be the living water, the bread of life, the good shepherd of the sheep, the resurrection and the life, really is who he said he is. Now, the first four scenes of John chapter 20 involve Peter and John, then Mary and Jesus, then Jesus and his disciples. And then there's this episode between Thomas and Jesus himself, that Jesus Christ was physically raised from the dead is the clear message of all of these little vignettes here in John chapter 20. That his disciples saw him and heard him and even touched him. It means that he is alive. He is alive. He is alive. Christ gives hope in this life and into eternal. So this morning we ponder the question that is first asked by the angels and then by Jesus himself of Mary Magdalene. Why are you weeping? Now we have four characters in our text. Two main and two minor characters. Mary at the tomb then the Messiah at the tomb, and then in between are the messengers at the tomb, the two angels. So let us first begin, though, with Mary at the tomb. Mary comes to the tomb early in the morning. She arrives and finds that the stone has been rolled away and the tomb is empty. So immediately she runs to find the disciples of Jesus and tells them that the body of their Lord is missing from the tomb. Now, when they hear the news, both Peter and John run to the tomb to see what has happened. When they arrived, they both saw that the linen cloths lying there, they were undisturbed. Even the cloth that had been around his face was lying there folded in place by itself. But after they see these things, they return to their home. John, at least, appears to have some sense of understanding of what has happened because we read in verses 8 and 9, He saw, believed, yet did not understand the Scripture that He must rise from the dead. But when you look at Mary just for a moment, you'll see in verse 11 the words that John records, but Mary. What is he talking about? Well, he is saying that Mary, in contrast to Peter and John, who have left the tomb, she is staying behind to mourn the loss of her Lord. Now, why does she grieve? Well, because she loves Jesus. Her tears are very, very precious because she had a profoundly personal and affectionate relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible doesn't tell us a lot about Mary Magdalene. Yet she was part of a cadre of women that would travel with the disciples to take care of the needs of Jesus out of their own means. They would prepare meals. They would often find housing. In Luke chapter 8, we learn that Mary of Magdala, which is a village not too far from the coast of the Sea of Galilee, that she was actually delivered from a life of deep sorrow and trouble. In Luke chapter 8, we discover that Jesus had cast out seven demons from Mary's own life. Now, if you're a Presbyterian like myself, we don't specialize 
in demon possession. However, while traveling with the Rivermont Missions team, serving together with sports outreach under the ministry of uh, leadership of Rodney Suddeth, the northern Ugandan, I did have one encounter that I will never, ever forget. We were looking forward to dedicating the land of the Koro farm that eventually would become the home of the Joseph and Mary Spencer Chapel, the sanctuary of the Good News uh, Community Church. Joe and Mary, most of you know, were dearly loved members of this congregation. As we traveled that day, we passed by a witch doctor standing on the side of the dirt road on the edge of the African bush. He was methodically moving his mallet and changing. Instantly, I had a severe pain that moved from my forehead at about this pace to the back of my neck. It was almost debilitating. Immediately, I wondered if if I would be able to speak at the dedication of the land, which was just a few hours away. We made a stop to visit some children on the way there. And Esther Chazé, which is the wife of Pastor Aloysius, whom we love very much, a few women along with Esther noticed that I didn't get off the bus to the sounds of cheering children. Three women came to me. And they began to pray and to rebuke the enemy and the forces of evil. Immediately and noticeably, just as the pain came this way through my head, the pain started to warm at the back of my skull and move this way. All within a matter of moments. This reminds us that there is power in the demonic world. No matter what the demonic world promises you, if you continue to succumb to evil, evil will eat up your life. Our enemy seeks to consume you and to destroy you. It's the echo of Jesus' affirmation in John chapter 10. That the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. All of us need to be set free from the power of sin and death. And by God's grace, when Jesus sets us free, hallelujah, we are free indeed. Yet sometimes I fear that plain and ordinary Presbyterians like myself, who had a plain and ordinary conversion at age 16, as miraculous as that is, that we forget what the Lord has really done for us. That we would and should forget to praise the Lord. That we should not do that. And so as we stand before God on this resurrection Sunday. Do you realize that Calvary's cross was necessary because of your sin and my sin? There is no way that any of us could be in the presence of God. Unless someone cleanses us and rids us from our guilt and shame. And that is What Jesus does. That's why we sing in procession hymns of praise and let us sing unto Christ our heavenly King who endured the cross and grave. Alleluia. Sinners to redeem and save. Now Mary loves Jesus for what He has done for her in her life. She remains devoted to Him even in what she assumed was His death. For you and for me, our redeemed 
so should also be rejoicing, loving Christ. Yet Mary, if you see our text, she did not see this quite so clearly. For Mary has her eyes focused on the physical evidence rather than the spiritual answer that the Lord has been saying for many months. All she sees is an empty tomb. She doesn't at this point consider the great truth that Jesus is alive. We might well all weep with her, but for the truth that our Savior does live and He's not dead. I remind you this morning, you and I serve a living Lord. We worship the very one who went to Calvary, died for our sin. Three days later, he arose from the dead to live forevermore. But as you notice here, the messengers then are at the tomb. There are two of these messengers. There are two angels. They are at the tomb to bear witness of the truth that Jesus is alive from the dead. Their message is of absolute hope and perfect assurance. Notice that they are sitting. This is a posture of absolute peace and rest. For if the body of Jesus had been missing and if there had been trouble at the tomb, these angels would have been very busy. Yet they sit as if to say, all is well. They sit as if they are telling us the work is over. We can all rest now. Because Jesus lives, you can rest from your labors. God doesn't want all of us to try to please Him for our salvation. He doesn't want us to try to be good enough in order to earn righteousness before Him. We would all fall so short. Rather, God Himself wants us to trust the death and resurrection of His Son, Jesus, and nothing more. He's calling us to simple faith, to place our trust in the righteousness of our God. He wants our trust day by day. But notice the plan of the angels here. Verse 13. It indicates that the angels wanted to stir something up within the heart of Mary. Their question is, is designed to turn on the light inside of her heart as if they were asking, should you be weeping, Mary? Doesn't this empty tomb call for rejoicing, dear sister? But Mary, like so many of us, seems undetermined to live by faith. We would rather live by sight. Often we fail to discover deep spiritual blessings because we refuse to look beneath the Scripture of what is plainly given to us in the Word of God. And yet in the Word of God, the Lord is desperately trying to reveal Himself to us. Sometimes we need to be asked, why are you weeping? Why are you worrying? Why are you afraid? Why are you devastated? Well, because my business has gone bankrupt. My marriage, you know, it's really in terrible trouble. Do you know that the Lord, though, is bigger than your business? He's bigger than your marriage. Do you know that the Lord is able to sustain you through the great trials of life? And yet you say, oh God, I am devastated because I've lost my beloved one. I still feel so bereft. But can you hear the angels asking, why are you weeping? For the Lord your God is not the God of the, of the tomb where He lay. He's the God of the empty tomb. 
He is there with you forever. Why are you weeping though? And of course, Mary hears the question and she gives this typical Christian answer. Listen to this. Well, I have a reason I'm crying. Because someone has obviously stolen the body of the Lord and I don't know where they put it. She's crying over a dead Jesus. And yet he's not dead. She's wasting her energy and her emotions and her tears over something of which there is no necessity to cry. For no one has taken the body of the Lord. But oh, are we there at times. The angels seem to be speechless. They do not know what to say. You know why? Because they have been watching Jesus over the past several years and they knew quite well that He had been specifically and implicitly talking about the resurrection. And so they're listening to Mary and you can almost hear them say, Huh? But this brings us from Mary at the tomb to the messengers at the tomb to finally the Messiah at the tomb. Look at this. We've seen something in the heart of Mary, her love for Jesus. But now Jesus shows us his heart. It's amazing, brothers and sisters, please don't miss this. What it means for you and for me today. Are you ready? The Lord has a genuine affection for his people. And he shows us beautifully in the words of the text this morning. Now, I don't know about you, but if it would have been me and if I had been cruelly, unjustly put to death on a cross and then I came roaring out of the grave three days later, there would be a few visits that I would want to make first. First visit, Pilate. Second visit, Caiaphas. Third visit, a few soldiers that I had met on Friday. That's what I would have done, but I'm not God. That's not what Jesus did. He didn't even go to Peter and John, who would become the chief leaders of the church in the decades to follow. No, ladies and gentlemen, he went to a poor former demoniac who was left behind, who was lost in her tears. The reason is he loves his people. If you feel left behind spiritually, if you feel like there are others that are way out ahead of you, if you look at the Peter and John's and the Mary and Martha's of the world and they are way out there and you feel like you're way back here. The Lord loves you. The Lord is for those who are in the background. And notice here that Jesus shows up physically. This is his first appearance She is the first one who is completely lost in her sorrows. He comes to her, the devastated one. He asks the same question. Why are you weeping? He adds a question. Whom are you seeking? Now, it's still pre-dawn. It's still a little dark and she's been sobbing. Her whole face is covered with tears. She can hardly see. She turns around and sees someone... A man that she assumes to be the gardener. She says, if you've taken his body and you put it somewhere, will you please tell me where it is? I'd love to get it. I'll take it away. I'll take care of it properly. Remember, she's talking 
to the resurrected Jesus. So in one sense, this is a prayer. So our prayer is, resurrected Jesus, will you please give me your dead body? It just doesn't make a lot of sense. It convicts me that sometimes I pray prayers that don't make a lot of sense, but I do know the one who is faithful to answer my prayer according to what is best. And what is the Savior here to say? He cuts right through everything. He goes right for their relationship. He doesn't give her a series of doctrines about the resurrection. He doesn't say, Mary, later you'll learn from the Apostles' Creed and it will be clear to you then. No. He just calls her name. Mary. She hadn't recognized His voice before. But now when she hears the sweet sound of her Savior calling, she hears the sweet sound of her own name. My sheep hear my voice, Jesus says, and I know them. They follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. She immediately recognizes who Jesus is through her tears, through her darkness, and she simply says, Rabboni, which means teacher. And she falls at his feet and grabs them. Mary knew it was the Lord. Do you see that how tender Mary is or Jesus is with Mary? No words of judgment, just continual invitations, just speaking to her heart. Isaiah says that the one who has come a bruised reed, he will not break. A faintly burning wick He will not quench. Jesus is so tender and compassionate. Oh, do you see the love, the affection, the genuine affection of Jesus Christ for His people who are hurting, who are searching. And notice in her love for Him what happens. She clings to Him. We can understand, for we cling to those whom we love, do we not? If someone had died and came back from the grave, we wouldn't know what to say, but I think we would just grab them and hold on. And notice what he says to her. Do not cling to me. The answer is, why? I have not yet ascended to my Father. Now, scholars debate what Jesus meant by this, but this is really what it seems to be saying, what Jesus is saying. Mary, I told the disciples in the other room just last Thursday night that I would be leaving them and this was for their good. For when I depart, I will send the Spirit of God upon you. It's the Spirit of Christ. It's better for you that I go away. Mary, do not hold on to this moment. I will ascend to my Father. But on the day of Pentecost, 50 days ahead, I will send forth my Spirit and I will invite you that I will actually dwell in your hearts. Then there is perpetual intimacy with God through the Spirit. He simply then says, go tell the other apostles. And Mary, who surely did not understand everything that Jesus was suggesting, were simply told in verse 18, she went, she did what she was told. She goes back. As the first eyewitness of the resurrection, she testifies even to the apostles, 
I have seen the Lord. The demons are vanquished. Death is defeated. The grave is empty. Eternal life is before us. I've seen Him. Go and tell the good news of the glory of the resurrection of the Savior to the world. Dear family, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it changes everything. God is good. For Jesus Christ burst into the sorrowing darkness of human sin and He offers peace, hope, and joy. His work upon the cross and the glory of His resurrection give us every reason to worship Him. And so I say, the Lord is risen. He is risen indeed. God is great. We celebrate the greatest miracle, the greatest turning point of the world that is ever seen with eternal consequence for all of us. He stands before us as the mighty conqueror, the conqueror of sin and death. We rejoice that we are able to go and tell the Lord is risen. Hallelujah. Glory be to his name, both now and forevermore. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we praise You that we celebrate Jesus Christ, the Lord who is risen today. Gracious Lord Jesus, we thank You that You have given of Yourself on the cross. We praise You for Your resurrection, for it proves Your victory and Your love. We adore You for the victory over sin and death. We thank You for the abundant life that You give. We look to You as our risen Savior for our hope for our peace, for our joy. Help us to receive and believe the gospel this day, to proclaim the good news of our risen Savior, and to live your life full of power and grace. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.